0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network.
2: Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Hits Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors
1: This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel.
3: All right, good evening, everybody. And once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. And I'm very, very excited this evening to once again be featuring the Coach's Corner panel uh, here this season on the show. Uh, Normally, uh, start the the season each year with a few broadcasts without the panel, uh, just to kind of get things warmed up again. And then uh, the first Thursday in March, which of course is tonight, uh, we bring back the Coach's uh, Corner panel and do a full broadcast. So I'll be doing a full two-hour broadcast tonight, uh, the panel starting things off. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by two special guests, um, Bill Slapin. He is the founder of Bill's Botanicals, uh, which is a CBD company. He's going to be talking about some of the uh, great things that uh, he's discovered, uh, both using the products and how it's helped him uh, get through some of the challenges that we face as we get a little bit older. And he's going to be joined by uh, nurse Susan Marks, who's also going to be adding some input as well. So I'm really excited to have both of them. Uh, but let me introduce the uh, the panel. And we've got uh, one right here uh, with us. So I'm going to introduce them both. Um, hopefully the other one will join us here momentarily. Uh, up tonight on the Coach's Corner panel is Bill Abrams. Uh, he is the owner and director of instruction uh, for the Golf Solutions Academy at Balmoral Woods in Crete, Illinois. Uh, also, you can find him at Park Ridge uh, Golf Course in Lake Worth, Florida. Uh, he's been a PJ member since 93, uh, very experienced as a high-energy, multi-award-winning players coach and advisor. Uh, his results-based holistic approach to coaching uh, has produced uh, consistency and, and the desired results, of course, for his students, uh, coaching the entire player <clears throat> excuse me, while appreciating their personality and situation. Uh, he teaches people, not systems. And, of course, he's been mentored by a uh, disciple of the legendary instructor, Jimmy Ballard. Also joining on the panel tonight is Kate Tempesta. She is the founder, owner, and president of FUN. Uh, her education and early career focused on exercise, science, and fitness, uh, she later transitioned to the educational arena uh, where she created and taught the uh, movement education program at St. Thomas uh, More Play Group for 10 years. Uh, after becoming an LPGA teaching and club professional member, she founded the Urban Golf Academy to combine her passions for golf, uh, early childhood, childhood education, and movement. And uh, to this day, she considers herself to have the best job in the world, and I couldn't agree more. So Uh, I'm going to welcome Kate, because she's here with me right now, and we'll keep an eye out for Bill. I'm sure he's just a little late coming off the course, and hopefully he'll join us here momentarily. Uh, Kate, welcome to uh, Golf Talk Live's Coach's Corner.
4: Hey Ted. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Uh, Great to be here with you.
3: Well, I appreciate it. So I'm going to start off with you, um, which I intended to anyways, and as I said, I'll just keep an eye out for Bill. And uh, and if not, well, you'll you and I will uh, will have the discussion by ourselves. Um, so what I did is I actually I, I had split up our discussion in two areas, uh, an area that I wanted you to really focus on uh, individually, and then also one that I wanted Bill. So I may uh, you know kind of handle his side if he doesn't come on. Um, so your segment, I guess, or your part of it is is really helping to develop the future of the game. Um, because I know you work with a lot of youth uh, at various different uh, levels and ages. And uh, mm-hmm. my first question to you, Kate, is developing the skills and the enthusiasm necessary for them to become lifelong golfers begins where? What's first?
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for me, hands down, is creating an environment – that gives the student a sense of belonging. So it's it's really, for me, it's all about the softer skills of education and coaching. And it really doesn't matter what sport we're talking about, what discipline. Uh, I'm just a really firm believer that if the student in front of you doesn't feel a sense of community, like they belong, that it's a safe learning space, um, It's I, I just feel like, you know, of course, they'll learn a little bit of something, but I just think the deepest, most engaging learning happens when you set that tone. Um, so I think that's ultimately for me where it begins.
3: Great, uh, great uh, answers. Thank you very much for that. You know, one of the things that, with what's gone on over this last year, Um, you know, golf obviously is, you know, we talked about very very briefly off air, but um, I know you're aware of as well, uh, is that golf has really had sort of a shot in the arm. No pun intended. uh, This last year, there wasn't really a lot of things that everybody was able to do. Golf was one of those very few, um, I guess, sports or activities where we were able to get out because of uh, sort of a built-in social distancing. Um, so this is really going to be the first year. Um, we're still, you know, on the tail end of it, and hopefully things will recover uh, sooner than later. Um, but people are, that are new to the game are going to come out and want to start and develop sort of a new you for this year. So I'm going to yeah. sort of take on the first step of that, um, which is, and, and and you're welcome to uh, add some thoughts and as well. But I think in order to develop, to become a, a better player. Um, for a lot of our amateur and high handicap golfers is step one, I think is identifying the parts of your game that need help. Um, And I strongly Mm -hmm. urge anybody out there that's going to do that, that they work with with their local golf professional and not just sort of tackle it on your own. And what I mean by that is you want to really take, you want to do an assessment. Most golf instructors that are, you know, certified and whatnot will offer some sort of an assessment program where they'll come out and they'll assess your game. They'll take a look at all different components and help you identify some of the areas that really need help. And I think that's extremely important because if you're going to work on your game and, and, and wanting to become a better player, you've got to be able to isolate and identify the areas that give you the most difficulty And you've got to be specific. So I think that's key as part of step one. What do you think about that? And what do you try to do? Obviously, when you're working with some of the real youngsters, they're not really at that point yet. But I know you've worked with some others that are a little bit further along. What do you try to do, especially with new students very early on, to help identify some of those key areas that they might need help with?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think I take a, a slightly different approach um, and I would consider it like a strength based coaching. So instead of looking at like what's wrong with swing, where are the flaws It's you know, what are the opportunities mm-hmm. for improvement? And that's one thing that I that coach my coaches on is like we're not looking at a flaw, right? It's Like what is in front of us that we have an opportunity to improve and what are the strengths that the student brings to the table? Because we all bring, even if you've never picked up a golf club before, you, we are filled with strengths. And if we can operate mm-hmm. on that premise and draw draw out those strengths and build on those strengths, then I think, you know, it's obviously going to be a much easier time in, in getting the outcome that we want and improving the technique and the tactical part of golf. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, it's really, and you know, again, it all goes back to like kind of a softer skills and like figuring out what makes the student tick, what they're interested in so I can tie those in. I mean, you know, granted, I'm speaking my lens, is, which is through, you know, which is geared towards three to eight year olds. And so I'm, I'm really figuring out what they're interested in so I can tie it into the lesson at hand and kind of pepper in the technique and the tactical information, but through, through the modality of, you know, a, a playful game and gamifying every single opportunity. Um, so I'm not sure that answers your question directly, but for me, mm-hmm. it's really, it's a strength-based coaching approach. Um, and I really think a lot of great things can come out of that. We're not going to immediately jump into a Varden grip or making it stronger, weaker, weaker, right. or even overlapping. It's just, it's how can we get this person in front of me right now to feel successful, to take in some of the information um, and want to come back so that I can continue to scaffold their learning.
3: Yeah. And that's a great point. and, and, the fact that, again, obviously you're wanting to look at the individual and see where they're at. And, and in your case, you know, when you're working with a, a much younger demographic, obviously you're not going to get into some of the more technical issues and some of the more advanced um, areas of teaching at that stage because it's really about early development. And I know that, you know, designing the curriculum um, that you do is, again, based on an age-appropriate uh, childhood development and techniques, golf skills, and, and even athletic development. So maybe you could touch a little bit on that. Um, what are some of the sure. things that specifically you're looking for? And and, uh, and when you do identify some areas that um, are going to help foster that, um, you know, growth in the sure. right direction, how do you sort of take it from there?
2: Yeah.
4: So when I started my journey in early childhood in 2000, um, you know, and I taught three to six-year-olds in a preschool, and I taught them creative movement. We're talking about gross motor control and fine motor control, and experiential learning through like movement activities. There were always common patterns of, you know, say a four-year-old couldn't jump on one foot, or you know, most four-year-olds can't jump on one foot yet. Um, so I started recognizing these patterns, right? And the same thing was true when I started teaching golf to this this particular age group. I started seeing. The same opportunities over and over again. Whether it was the three-year-old that, you know, started the clubface like five five inches away from the ball every single time, or the young four-year-old that didn't have a backswing because they just wanted to push the ball forward, or um, you know, the six-year-old that stood straight up. It's like, how do we? We know as golf professionals, these things are important, like how you posture over the golf ball and how you set your feet at a dress and how you, you know, length of swing and even direction of your swing, like taking it back makes, <laughs> makes a difference. Right. Um, and it's not that right. we can't mm-hmm. teach. It's not that we can't teach these concepts, but we need to speak their language and we need to break it down in ways and use metaphors that make sense to them. And so, Through the years of starting the Urban Golf Academy and seeing thousands and thousands of three to eight year olds, I created this language called birdieisms. And birdieisms are, of course, taken from our mascot, Birdie, our lovable little orange bird. And they're visual representations Uh of all of these fundamentals of golf grip, aim, stance, posture. But we don't use that terminology. You know, we say, um, The ball and club are best friends. Can you show me? that you that your ball and club can be best friends. Just like you're lining up at school behind your friend to go to the lunchroom, we want our ball and club to be best friends. And all of a sudden that four-year-old is, I'm not manipulating where their club face goes, but they're saying, oh, yeah, I can Mm -hmm. do that. That makes sense to me. And then before you know it, they're squaring up their club face. And that, that's the beginning. And then as they become six or seven and you see that the club face is pointing off to the right a little bit or whatever, then you can kind of, again, scaffold their understanding and their learning. But at first, what's going to be more approachable? Like what, what's going to be more, what's going to land better on a young four-year-old? Dad, like manipulating the club face and saying, no, start it here. Or, hey, Charlie, show me that your ball and club can be best friends.
1: And, and, and then they're
4: set up. And so there are 45 examples of these birdieisms that that are, that are technical and tactical information but just through a three- to eight-year-old lens. So, you know, I, we can sit here and play rapid fire and you can name any single technical compo- component of the golf swing and I can tell you what birdieism we use for it. And, and, and while some of them are more appropriate for the older children, Um, the vast majority Mm -hmm. of them, all of them speak to all the ages. So that's, I hope that answered your question.
3: No, that's, that's fantastic. You know, it it raises an interesting thought and I wanted to sort of ask a a follow-up as I was listening to you um, explain that. And and that is, do you think as an overall um, approach to golf instruction that we don't simplify it enough? that we get too technical, even with adults? Do you think, and and obviously what you're doing with with that particular demographic is obviously not going to be the same thing that we're going to do as we get a little bit older, but do you think as our students are getting older, um, as instructors, do you think sometimes we're making it more difficult than it needs to be because of the language that we're using and the approach sometimes that we're using, and it actually creates more of a frustration um, with the students. What do you think about that?
4: Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, it makes me think of when I was first learning how to play golf and full transparency, I didn't start playing until I was 29 and I'm now 48. And, um, my golf coach at the time kept telling me to like, release the toe, release the toe of the club. I was like, I have no idea what that means. Like he, he kept saying it over right. and over and over again for like <laughs> weeks and months of lessons. I had no clue what that meant. And then, you know, the more I played and the more I became proficient and then I became an LPGA teacher. I remember like being in an LPGA teaching seminar where they were like teaching you how to be a teacher. And I remember seeing, you know, what the toe of the club was, like looking at the anatomy of a club and this is what it's defined as. And then I realized like, oh, okay, now I get it, right? Um, and we have a birdieism for that. That makes sense. With, like a, a child that's four years old, five years old can look at this picture and and listen. So yes, the answer is absolutely. I can't tell you how many mothers. And I don't mean to single out like the female, but um, a lot of a lot of women. When you know, because we send the children home with with the birdieism cards, so that they can you know we can reinforce the learning at home, and they can like there are certain mm-hmm. games around it. And I can't tell you how many moms have come to me and said. I need these birdieisms. Like, these have helped my own game, right? <laughs> just because it's, it's – it's Right. Scale, it, it's just, it
2: makes sense, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I think
4: far too many golf coaches get far too technical far too soon, and and not everybody wants that, you know? Not everybody – like, here's a ball. Here's a club. How do we get it in the hole? How do I play to your strengths? How do I talk to you in a way that's going to make sense? Mm. And, and, and that – that's a lot of, you know, that's a big art form for a coach and they, it's a craft Mm -hmm. that I think is continuously worked on, right. Is communication.
3: Yeah. Far too often. And, and I, and I hate to say this. I mean, I'm 57 in about a week and a half s time. So I'm, I'm up in that, you know, uh, older generation. So, you know, I've heard a lot of the things that, you know, you, you've heard, I'm sure as well. Um, you know as I was learning the game, and you know once you are more entrenched in in the in the game itself, you understand what it means. but to somebody that's just learning the game, I mean they're scratching their head an hour later thinking, what the heck was he talking about um, right. you know and and I think sometimes we make it so challenging so I want to move on though to step two um, in in developing sort of a new you for for twenty twenty one and that is you know we've we've kind of identified areas of the game that that um, obviously we're good at, but obviously some areas that we want to improve upon. Um, but I think once we've identified that, uh, we need to sort of put together or develop a, a plan, if you will, of how to address those. Mm-hmm. So it could be a variety of different things. It could be, you know, as you're doing with the birdieisms and and sort of explaining what these things, different components mean in a simpler form. Um, but for right. those that are maybe a little bit more seasoned... Um, they need to develop a plan of attack, if you will, because what more often that happens is they just go out to the range and hit ball after ball after ball and hope by some osmosis that they're going to improve by hitting five buckets of balls. And it's just not (laughs) going to, you know, it's just not going to happen. You know, I mean, that's typically what happens is they get out each season, they start hitting some balls and they take a few lessons, but they don't really get out and and put it in. So into practice. So I'm a firm believer that once you kind of get those areas that maybe need some help, is again, with your professional, is put together some sort of a, a game plan uh, of how you want to address these different areas. And that way you're becoming more organized in that. Uh, one of the things that I want to ask you, though, is creating balance in your classes when you're working with your students. And, again, you're engaging in, a, in an age-appropriate activity. Um, yeah. Uh, and connecting a lot of areas from the physical and social and cultural and so on and so forth. Uh, what do you do to create that balance? Uh, again, you know, you're dealing with a, a very young demographic. Um, it's, it's difficult sometimes in balancing all of that out because, again, we're all uniquely different. How do you manage to find that when you're working with a group? How do you manage to find that balance in these different areas that, that we're talking about?
4: So if I'm hearing you correctly, it's how do you balance um, the like what what is the, the different plan activities for
3: it? Yeah, what what's the plan? How do you, for for instance, you know, in your classes, I mean, I can break down you know, class. you, you I can have break down act, a
4: typical class. Yeah, is that
3: sure? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine.
4: Yeah, and and again, I mean, I think all of the things that I'm about to say, even though I'm talking about three to eight-year-olds specifically, I think all of these things apply to no matter what age we're teaching. Um, And so I, you know, I start off with a circle time, and that's literally, that's translated in any age group to I connect with a student, right? So for three to Mm six-year-olds, three to eight-year-olds, we sit in a circle, we talk about, you know, just get to know each other and get to know what they've been up to for the past week and you know, I've given them maybe some, some homework, if you will, to take home the previous week, and I want them to come back and kind of tell me about the games they played at home. And um, and then we launch into a movement activity because movement, creating an athlete, developing their motor skills is, is really important. And it, not only that, it helps children, young children, self-regulate. So we always break out into a movement activity. And then we break out into skill stations, you know, for lack of a better word. I mean, I like mm-hmm. to call them play stations where – you know, the children are playing through the storyline of birdie and we're, you know, almost fooling them into, <laughs> into playing golf. And, yeah. and this is where the coach, the, the seasoned coach, is able to set up the learning environment, tell the story, use the props in our curriculum, and then, and then pepper in the right birdieism so that, you know, they're taking advantage of the opportunities for improvement, seizing the moment, giving the right birdieism at the right time, and then seeing the progress that the child makes. Uh, and then, you know, we we rotate through these different skill stations, and then we come back to circle time. And it's a really feel-good, like, this is what we did. Let's reflect on our strengths today. You know, what was your hole-in-one? What was your out-of-bounds today? Here are some things to think about and go home. Here's your birdie's first playbook to go home and set up the learning environment at home. This is where mom and dad can take the playbook to the driving range and the, the golf facility and lay it out on the putting green and continue to extend the lessons that we've taught them through this program. Um, and then they come back and, you know, rinse and repeat. It's, it's sort of the same, the same thing. Um, there for the older kids there, we do have coaches that, that incorporate the playing on the golf course component. And that, you know, starts, we follow the operation 36 model of, you know, I couldn't be a better more mm-hmm. fan of Matt and Ryan and how they've developed the systems in place. You know, they might start yep. the kids 10 yards from the 10 yards from the hole, you know, or, or it might be, Hey, let's get these children out on the golf course. Let's drive them in the golf cart because maybe a walk, you know, walking nine holes for a four year old's not gonna not gonna bode well. But um no. you know, let's <laughs> yeah. let as as dad's playing nine holes, let's let Charlie drive in the cart and then let's pop out ten yards away from the hole and see if he can make his medium glass table swing. And now I'm using, you know, birdieism. And let's see if he can start to count how many times it takes him to get it in the hole. And it's not keeping score. It's just, it becomes actually more like a relevant early childhood principle. Like let's count, let's, let's Mm. just count. Right. It's not about, there's no par, Mm -hmm. there's no, you know, we're not trying to strive to achieve anything. It's just we're having fun and along the way we learn what a bunker is and maybe we get in the bunker and play with the sand for two minutes and then you know, maybe we skip a hole and dad plays the third hole, but on the fourth hole, then we, you know, do the same thing. We start up 15 yards away from the hole, or maybe we start seven feet from the hole and, and they're counting. You know, again, there's there's so many games that you can play within the game of golf that tap into mm-hmm. where children are developmentally. Uh, and the more awareness we can bring to parents, and this, again, goes for a lot of ages, not just even, even mm-hmm. you know, I think of like if I were going to bring my, you know, a good friend of mine who's never played golf before in in her life, I'm not going to start her on the tee and have her hole out. I'm going to, we're going to play a silly game along the way, you know, and teach her all the parts that, 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 that make up a, a golfer, but, you know, put it in buckets and segment it and keep it playful and gamify it.
3: Well, and I think that's really important, Kate, because – and I agree 100% with you because I think uh, going back to what I said earlier, I think a lot of times, especially for new people to the game, and, and again, regardless of what age, I mean, again, obviously with a with younger demographic uh, or age group, I mean, you're not going to get into you know some of the finer points uh, because they're just not going to understand it. And right. And I think the other thing, too, is – if you try to do too much too quick with somebody, you know, that is four years old, um, they're going to become, first off, they're not going to understand most of what you're talking about if you, you put it in more technical terms. But more importantly, um, they're going to tire a little bit easier. And, you know, once they get that frustration level starting to go up, suddenly it's no longer fun and interesting for them and they lose interest and suddenly, you know, they're off somewhere else doing something entirely right. different so uh, again it, it's right. finding that that balance if you will in your class of and i like the, you know what you said a moment ago about you know sort of having that circle time and and it really mm-hmm. kind of goes to what a lot of pros should be doing and that is initially you know we don't have to call it circle time but a reviewing process and initially you know right. early in the season let's let's kind of talk about you know what what your objectives are this season what your goals are this season how are you feeling right now or you, you know are you yeah. You know, suffering from some aches and pains kind of thing. You know, get an assessment right. and, and kind of understand where you're at um, in order to be effectively to put that together. I, I want to move on just to a couple of the other steps here um, as well. And, and number three, um, sort of developing a new you, and that is you know, once we've identified and, and sort of uh, adapted a, a plan of attack, if you will, is and this is something similar, I think, to, to what you're talking about, is kind of setting up a to-do list and that is giving them something to do work on again it's not again for for children it's not going to be as as involved but it goes back to sort of an organization and and getting the students organized in their thought and how they're going to approach various different tasks or or different things so obviously in your case it's a little bit more you know of a relaxed environment and not as structured as it would be for an older but having a sort of a to do list and you may call it something different is also extremely important. Would you agree?
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean I I can think of examples in early childhood classroom where that, that's that's relevant. I mean a great example is um you know when I talk about the golf one with young children and, and the children have all these birdieism cards in front of them and maybe they're like, you know, six or seven sessions in and they 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 understand the verbiage better and they've, you know, heard terms like magic shoes and magic tracks and bow to the king of the jungle and feed birdie and all of these things that, that, that help bring out the technical and tactical components of golf. Um, we think of golf as a recipe. You know, it's like I always tell the children, it's like you're making a chocolate chip cookie. Like if you forget to put the chocolate chips in, all of the chocolate chip cookies are not going to taste so right. good. So what are, the, what are the things that are individual <laughs> to each student? What are the opportunities again? And what are the ingredients that we need to put in? And so when they take these, you know, when they take Birdie's first playbook home and they've got two pages of these birdie they can kind of think about, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm really good at these four birdieisms, but, you know, Coach Kate and I talked about this one and every single time I hit the ball, mm-hmm. I know I need to put this ingredient into my setup in order to hit the ball well. And obviously they're yep. not like talking like that, but but we come up with a recipe right. and it's really fun to see um it's really fun to see the children take ownership of their own swing. And at the end of the day, isn't that everything that we want, right? Like be, you know, Lynn and Pia, it's, they're going to be their own best coach and it's relevant Mm -hmm. and relative to who they are and they get to take ownership of that. And I think that's super cool. So that's the plan, right? In my particular um, age bracket.
3: You know, what's really interesting, Kate, is you found a very creative way of, of developing structure for them, uh-huh. but in such a way that it's, it's a, a, again, very attainable. Um, see, th- this is, I think, a lot of the problems with, with anything that we do, whether it's golf or, or what have you, whatever we're learning, is sometimes if the tasks are not attainable or very easily yeah. attainable, again, right. the frustration goes up. So you've, what you really, in a sense, have done is you've, you've taken basically the same things as we do as adults for the children, but you've, you've formulated it in such a way that you're kind of sneaking those, those almost, I don't want to say sublim- subliminally, but you're, you're sort of sneaking totally. in those, those um, recipes uh, and ingredients for these children to be able to understand things so that they can relate it at their level. And as they develop and move along, you know, the the chain of, of, of development, um, you know, obviously they're going to get into a little bit more adult language and so forth, but they're going to understand the, the message uh, of what they're trying to teach. And I think, you know, we, we talk about some of the things as I mentioned, you know, identifying some of the issues and things that that we're dealing with as adults and, and putting together Mm -hmm. a plan and, and that to do list. Um, but we also have to be able to execute whatever it is that we're going to do whatever plan we've come up with and this is where a lot of people fall short because they they don't want to put the time in everybody seems to be looking for this you know this mass, magic uh, um, ingredient that's going to suddenly yeah. you know turn them from a 25 handicap you know to a 10 handicap and it just doesn't right. exist so there's a there's right. a process that goes through I want to talk to you about something else which I found very interesting because I've obviously, you can tell, I'm sure, by some of the questions uh, earlier on that I uh, was on your website. Uh, but yeah. even though golf typically is an individual sport, you believe that your classes and your activities really are there to empower the students to work as part of a team, um, you sure. know, helping them to build self confidence and sportsmanship skills. So even though golf, typically, unlike many other sports, is more of an individual uh, sport. You approach it from a little bit uh, different perspective. Maybe you can explain a little bit why you've taken that approach, why you feel that is a better way to sort of uh, develop or or a more sound way, if you will, um, when you're working with, with the students.
4: Yeah, I think it's back to, like, how golf hit me personally when I was 29 years old. And, you know, I was living in the city for eight years at the time, and I was a three-sport athlete growing up. Golf was not one of them. Uh, And I moved to the city from a small town in upstate New York, and I, I quickly fell out of touch with my athletic side. And I was, you know, just quickly going to the gym and just kind of being on the treadmill and you know, doing that kind of thing. And then when I went out on the golf course with a good friend of mine who said, you know, I really think you'd like this. And I was like, you know what, let me give it a shot. Like I hated it as a kid. I played it one time as an adult and my driver head went into a lake. I thought this was dumb. And it just, you know, at, 20, at 29, it just, it it was really what I needed in my life. Like it just spoke to me as a whole person. Like it, you know, it created the relationship that I needed to have with myself. The Perseverance, I was a rather volatile athlete growing up. Um, Of course, there was the New York City factor where I was in the concrete jungle and I got all of a sudden and got to go out to Mm -hmm. Westchester, New York country clubs and play golf. And I was like in the green grass and nature and I was with people and in the city of a gajillion people where you you would think you'd have a million Mm -hmm. friends and you're so disconnected because everybody's on their own rat race. It was, so it was, it was, you know, as I would consider, it was the whole person experience. Um, of of how golf spoke to me, it was creative. Like the shots you had to, you know. And again, I wasn't even taking lessons at this point, so I was just trying to get the ball in the hole from an athlete perspective. And Ted, I'm going to kiss my son goodnight because that's important to me. So five seconds. Love
3: yep, N- yep, you, baby. Yep, you go ahead.
4: Um, <laughs> Good night, baby. Um, sorry, that's super important to me. Um,
3: no.
4: So you know. It, it was, it was the whole person experience, you know, and what golf as a sport did for me personally. And, of course, I was teaching young children. I wasn't teaching them golf. I was teaching them creative movement. And so parallel to my own personal experience with golf was this classroom going on in a preschool in the Upper East Side of Manhattan where I taught a discipline creative movement, and I saw the power of movement, and I saw how it affected children. I saw – when kids in a classroom got together and played these movement activities and they learned what was going on in their curriculum because we were bringing it to life and they had a chance to challenge themselves physically and cognitively and spiritually and emotionally and creatively and all these great things, I just, like, the, the two worlds came together and I knew that I wanted to create the same approach, um, you know, fast forward a few years, I became an LPGA teacher, and I recognized instantly, like, we got to do things differently, like, in the early golf years, like, they, it, we cannot be teaching mm-hmm. golf the way, you know, we, 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 one, we can't wait, we shouldn't be waiting the, the children, and not because of the growth of the game, but because children deserve to have this experience, they deserve to have the same experience I had as a 29 year old, I want,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
4: this child experiencing the the most powerful sport I think is on the face of the earth, as far as teaching them and guiding them and having them learn about themselves and learn about each other. And so I was, you know, really, really hell bent on creating a program that delivered those same tenets. um, If that makes sense.
3: Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And, and I couldn't agree more, Uh, you know, Kate, I think, I think a lot of people misunderstand golf. I think they just think it's a, it's another game. It's another sport. Uh, but there 's so many life lessons that can be learned from the challenges from the ups and downs and and the successes and and you know I hate to use the word failures there's so many things that we learn i mean I was very fortunate you know my father taught me at a very early age I was probably about seven when I started to really take it a little bit more serious and um you know he took me out there and it was just it was an eye-opening because I played other sports like you. I mean, you know, I certainly, I won't say I was a super athlete, but I was athletic and I played baseball and, and uh, you know, many other different sports and and that. And so I I was exposed to that, but golf was something entirely different. Uh, Again, it it is more of an individual sport. It's you against the elements and it's you against your own inner self. So as you're working through the various programs that you offer, what is it most that you want the students to take away? What is it you really, I mean, you're not just there to teach them the game. I mean, you are overall, you're teaching them about golf, but what specifically about golf is it that you want them to take away from it? What is it unique about golf that you've discovered that you're now relaying to your students that you want them to walk away with? Oh,
4: gosh. I mean, I'm big on the (laughs) social-emotional component, right? And and you know, being part of a peer group and developing empathy and developing resilience and all of these great qualities that we would want in anybody. We want in ourselves, we want in our children. And I just, I think the best things happen from that. Um, again, it goes back to what I said instantly, like from the beginning, like creating that, that safe, nurturing community, belonging space, um, I want kids walking away feeling like this is cool. I can go try something different too. Like that soccer class mm-hmm. that I didn't want to go to last week. I'm going to go and try that now, you know, and here are some, here are some skills, you and know, now I have some tools in my tool belt toolbox to, to, to kind of navigate these emotions. Um, and I just, you know, I think good, good learning as Mike Hebron would talk about like learning comes from feeling safe and And I, that to me is a really big
3: one. Yeah, I think that's uh, well said. Uh, Kate, I want to ask you specific, and and I want to get gender specific here for a reason. You know, golf for women has really started to take root over the last, uh, I would say, particularly this last decade. We've really seen a lot of growth in the game, especially from young girls. Uh, I'm sure some younger you've seen, but, you know, particularly around the 12, 13 years old up, we've started to see, and I know it's not all from, uh, you know, what's happening on the LPJ tour and that because not all of them watch golf. Um, But there, for some reason there, there has been an attraction to the game. You've worked with a lot of young girls through your programs. What do you think, what's been some of the feedback from them? that you've gotten, what has it done for them? What has the game done for them um, as, oh, as, you know, yeah. soon to be young women?
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I, listen, I think if it's delivered, I mean, it can always backfire with the wrong coach, right? The, 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 a great message mm. being delivered in a not so great way through the wrong coach, but, you know, there's a particular story that pops out in my mind that um certainly not necessarily true of every young girl that takes up the game, but I can I can I can then talk about many many offshoots of the same overarching theme. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, we work with three nonprofits in New York City. One one is an organization called Power Play New York, and it's an all girls. Um, it's like second to eighth graders. And there's a little girl, Cindy, down in Chinatown. And we ran a 12 week program. And the first, I'd say, five or six weeks, she didn't want anything to do with any of the golf. And she was very, Mm -hmm. very shy. And her whole posture over the ball was just like she wouldn't even play, but her whole posture, her whole demeanor was just that, you know, like negative dark cloud. Yeah. And we allowed Cindy to be who she was and kind of like watch and observe. Mm -hmm. And, and before you know it, and I'll make a very long story short, she started mm. to partake in it, and you could just see her, like, her whole demeanor change, and she started to stand up straight, and she started to, like, want to be part of a group, and she she just, you know, because she felt successful in these moments, because it was her game, it was her ball that she had to put, it was her club she had to handle, um, it, it gave her a real sense of agency and the agency gave her a real sense of being a part of a community. And, and I just, you know, mm-hmm. again, I think it, it it takes the right coach. It takes the right coach with the right awareness of who these women are and young women are. Uh, it takes the right coach to recognize that golf is such a small part of their lives. And, you know, these are girls mm-hmm. that are, going through bullying at school or the one's bullying or right. they're just broke up, broke up, or they've had their first crush or, you know, or, or mm. dad is forcing them to play golf and they really don't want to be here or they just had a fight. <laughs> and I mean, right. if you, if you can't, if you can't reach these young humans on that level and recognize these big emotions that they have, um, golf's not going to do a thing, but if you can flip that and, recognize and relate and and use those relatable points as a point of entry and i think golf is just a tremendously wonderful vehicle to empower uh young women um and boys but you
3: know right right and and the reason why i specifically singled out young women obviously i know it's for both but um you know Boys are, are obviously a little bit different. They, you know, they'll kind of jump in whatever's happening and whatever's on the scene. But I know for a lot of young girls and even women, I notice too. You know, even uh, women as they've gotten older that maybe have never been exposed to the game uh, have had a up until more recently have had a, an apprehension. And I think part of it is, you know, they they it, it can be for some a very intimidating game because it's not like you're just you know throwing a ball or or you know a tennis racket. You know, you're hitting something over a net. Uh, there's, there's a more advanced skill level required. And a lot of women I know have expressed to me and, and others, I'm sure, that they don't want to look foolish. They don't want to get out there and they don't want to, you know, embarrass themselves and so forth. So there's really almost an anxiety that goes with it. So it, it's very refreshing to hear the story that you just shared of a young girl who, you know, obviously was somewhat, um, and I'm not diagnosing anybody here, so please don't write me right. um, if you're listening, uh, but, um, you know, obviously was somewhat in in a shell, in her shell, if you will, and and very apprehensive to really, you know, do that. So when you look at an example like that, and I know you're not marking it wins and losses in that sense, so I don't mean it literally in that way, but do you consider a story like that for you a win? Oh, 100%.
4: Do you watch Ted Lasso? Did you see the Apple TV Plus series, Ted Lasso? Yes. Do you know know what I'm talking about? Okay. So, I mean, it's not about the wins and losses. It's about, like, helping people become the best versions of themselves, right? And I I think that just sums up everything I aim to do as a coach. Like, that's all I want to do. And I think the golf will will come from that. And, and yeah, it's not to say I just, like, loosey-goosey have this lesson and don't teach them any golf but the very strong tenet of anything I do with children and, and, and women and men and whomever I might teach is, is based on that.
3: Well, and I think it's important, you know, again, uh, and this is not to, to, you know, to criticize the industry as a whole, but I think sometimes we get caught up in, um, you know, the strategy of, of and, and the less at the lesson T and, and uh, you know, perfecting certain movements and things like that, that we forget really who we're dealing with and what we're dealing with. And a lot of times, again, one person might adapt to something that we're talking very, very easily, and someone else might not. And I think for too long, I think what what golf and many sports have done it too. I mean, I, I don't want to pick on golf, but golf has got to a point for a period of time where we put everybody in the same box. So whatever lesson program we put together, it was a one size fits all. And I think slowly but surely the industry started, you know, starting to recognize more of really what you've talked about here tonight and that is we are uniquely different and individual and what might work for one might not necessarily work for another. So you have to really get to know your audience for lack of better words. Yeah and understanding what what they're thinking where they're coming from and then sort of cater something um, and i'm sure you see this with, with many of you, the kids that you're working with is some gravitate very easily to what you're talking about others it takes a little bit longer to nurture them along and we right. need to do that in our you know in our adult programs shall we say and and now do you i, I don't imagine you do use a lot but you don't really use any technology in any of your because again the students are pardon me very, very young um, but do you use any technology to sort of demonstrate things at all, or, or no?
4: No, not. I mean, not certainly not on a regular basis. When I'm at Montauk Downs and I teach, uh, I, I, I use a tiny bit, but it's. I, I assure you, it's in not the way the company intended it to be used, and it's in a really ridiculously playful way. <laughs> it's not. You know,
3: right, it, like you're not hooking not. Every, You're not hooking them all up to flight no, scope, and I'm no, not no, trying no. to pick on no. anybody here. Okay, or the or the launch, uh, some other launch monitor or something. Yeah, I didn't think so. No. Um, you know, it, no. it's very it, it, it's very interesting as as you know we watch this this game develop and as we see more and more coming into it. And this last year has been really very interesting. Um, Obviously, it's been very tragic, and I don't want to take away from that. From an industry standpoint, it's been very, very interesting because there's a lot of people that would have never even thought of coming to this game for whatever reason. Um, And I don't want to say – I don't like to use the word that they were forced to, but in a way they were because there was nothing else to do, so that, you know, heck, why not? I'll take up golf. And it's really interesting – and I, I see it as an opportunity not to, you know, for the industry to sort of pounce on everybody, but to really open doors that maybe might not have been opened otherwise. So if you kind sure. of took a step back and sort of reviewed 2020 from a golf perspective only, I'm not talking about any of the other stuff, what would you do if you had the ears of the people in charge, uh, you know, the big industry and whatnot of golf? How would you take, and I don't want to use the word advantage, but how would you take what has happened in 2020 and build on that to really help grow the game?
4: Yeah. You know, years ago, I think it was a teaching and coaching summit I don't think it was the junior summit, but I think it was the regular, like every other year teaching and coaching summit, the PGA show. And the lineup of speakers was so refreshing because it wasn't, you know, and, and again, I'm not knocking any about what I'm what I'm about to say, but it's like the same, sure. same old year after year. Like there's LightShip, there's TrackMan, and then someone does a seminar in vest And it's like it's the same thing over and over okay. again. It's not that that's not important to some people, but, you know, if we're going to affect – how teachers teach and how coaches coach, I mean, first of all, there's a whole conversation about teaching versus coaching. Right. But if like, we're truly Mm -hmm. going to affect the people that affect, if if we're going to affect the people that affect the people that come to our lesson team and come to our great game, then we have to do a better job of coaching the coaches and coaching the coaches on the softer skills, coaching the coaches on creating that sense of belonging. And quite honestly, I think that comes from outside the golf world. So, you know, we don't need to hear from you know, A, B, and C, who we've heard um, the top 100 teachers. Like, it's not that I don't care, but I don't care. Like, that's not, you know, we need to hear more <laughs> Lynn and Pia's. And we need to hear more Lynn and Pia's outside the golf world. Like, who are the people that yeah. speak that language and can help us help people and be of a place, come from a place of service, right? And like serving a human being as opposed to a golfer that comes to the tee. And, and, and I mean, then you open it up to all ages. You know, how do we help mm-hmm. the coaches that are going to be coaching these potential future lifelong golfers of the greatest game that we ever played, and I think it's just thinking outside the box and thinking of of you know the people that can support those um, those philosophies.
3: Well, and and right, and I, I agree with you, and I think one of the other issues too, Kate, is you know we we obviously know that not every person that comes out uh, on the lesson tee. Is, is going to be the next, you know, PJ or LPJ professional. It's just not going to happen. It's a no. very small percentage uh, of folks that ever get out there. And, you know, a lot of the, the again, the technology and a lot of the, the programming that we have out there is really based off of that level of player. And I had mm-hmm. somebody recently, I just want to share a, a quick story as well. I had somebody recently reach out to me and said to me, you know, that they had recently saw something on... Uh, on the golf channel. And again, I'm not picking on the golf channel, but um, where it was an instructional program and they said, I got to be honest with you. Um, Now this was an older gentleman that was calling me. So I, I, you know, I take that into consideration, but he said, I'll be honest with you, Ted. He said, you know, one of my pet peeves about golf is it's become so confusing and so hard to understand that it's, it's a deterrent. And yeah. I'm not knocking any of the products. There's some, I mean, I've been out of the PJ show, as I know you have, and seen lots of great products, and there is a place for it. But yeah. it cannot be used as it's there to reinforce, to help uh, provide certain information, but it cannot be put in the forefront as the teaching tool itself. That's what the instructors right. for. And a lot of times we get wrapped up in the technology and we put it in the forefront and, you know, it's like hooking somebody up with with electrodes and saying, OK, we're going to flick the switch over here and we're going to dial in all the numbers and so on and so forth. And by the time yeah. you know, we're done, the poor student is so overwhelmed and so frustrated and so confused right. that they right. they're, they're just not going to develop. And, you know, as we push this technology on the younger generation, the same thing is happening with them. Um, we're not we're not in that sort of a human standpoint so when you go through your programs as we sort of wrap this up um, tonight's discussion and and it's been great thank you for for sharing what you've shared tonight because I think it's very important that we get that out there Um, obviously you have something similar to a reviewing process Um, I'm sure you do it fairly regularly with with the folks that you're working for or working with and obviously you make adjustments as you go along so is that something that you do if you're running say as an example a 12 week program is that something is it sort of a constant reviewing and adjustment as you go along because you are working with so many different people
4: Um I don't you know I don't know that I would call it a review I mean you know in the early years it's not so much about you know there's no report card that we're giving them right it's not like right you know you, you did great with your grip but you really need to work on your posture um you know that's right. like much like the operation 36 program where there are badges mm-hmm. and, and and children are you know re- trying to reach those goals which i think is great um the birdie basics program is not so i'm not you know probably i'm not the best person to answer that i don't you know it's not like we're giving the parents a progress report on how charlie did in weeks one through eight um th- you know there are there are the birdie I think speak for themselves and the educational piece that we give to the parents. It's like, Hey, you want your child to fall in love with golf. This is the program for you. This is what, and this, these are the things that they're going to be um, introduced to and, and learning. And, but we're not focusing mm-hmm. on, they checked off the box of now they understand, you know, posture at this level or whatever. Um, right. So I don't know. If that answers, you know, I'm I'm in a, I'm in a very niche business model where I really focus on the young children, right? Uh, and so, I just as an educator in those early years, I just don't believe in like you know the math worksheets and getting them to read by the time they're five and having kindergarten be the first, right. n- You know, the, the the new first grade and like it really, anyway, just a different it's a different approach.
3: Yeah, and and I agree. I, I again, it goes back to. You know what you said earlier is a lot of the programming that you're doing is obviously age appropriate. Um, you know, as as we progress a little bit further along in in, in our golfing uh, venture, if you will, you know, then we can take a little bit more serious look at some of the you know the various things that we've worked on and and and, and sort of get that you know more um, affirmative feedback or assessment of of, of our progress. So obviously, again, it's it's something that's not necessarily applied. I was just curious to see, you know, what you do as you go through the program. Not so much, maybe, a, you know, maybe a review is not the, the appropriate term, but you obviously kind of watch to gauge to see if they're understanding, um, you know, oh, sure. what it is that is you're, you're putting a, together. Yeah, right. There's
4: a check for learning throughout every single class. There's there's a check for learning, and that could be as simple as like a wrap up circle. In the same way we start every class off with circle time and connection, right. we wrap it up, and there's there's absolutely a check for learning and understanding, and it, that's, that's every class, right? Um, I think that's yeah, and that's good essentially coaching, right? yeah, that's
3: essentially <laughs> right, and that's just, yeah, exactly. That's essentially what I'm talking about is, and you know you know for, for again maybe a more adult uh type program you know we might look at it as an assessment or a review of of what's been going on so far at the end of the lesson or or a group of lessons or what have you but um i just was curious to see if if you do something kind of similar it's not exactly the same but it is somewhat similar uh to totally. that process totally.
4: we, we have we have, uh, act, we have several time yeah. activities that bake in exactly what you're talking about and it could be very simple like right. hey, who wants to show and tell me sh- who wants to show and tell me what bow to the king of the jungle means and that's a burryism and someone will raise their hand they'll stand up they'll demonstrate it and then i'll say something like hey that that in order to make the golf ball go up we need to get our bodies down and the lion is the king of the jungle and let's pretend we're bowing to the king and so now that's like yeah if you want to check that <laughs> off that child understands posture so that stuff happens right. every single class.
3: Yeah. Wow, that's great. I think that's fantastic. Um, and what a great way to to, to really get your, your message out there um, with the students and doing it in such a way that's easy for them to understand. Um, and it's a great way, too, that to be able to monitor if they are getting and understanding it. Because as I said sure. earlier, you know, a lot of – uh, a, a lot of adults, um, you know, that, that we see out there and taking lessons, um, I mean, I'm going to be quite honest, get very frustrated um, with the process. Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe yeah. we have to go back to that old, uh, you know, that old KISS theory and keep it simple. I'm not going to say the other word, but keep it simple is, is <laughs> basically, I think, um, the way we need to move forward. But well, Kate, I want to thank you very much. Uh, I, I did get a message, and uh, he sends his apologies. Uh, unfortunately, he got a mix-up with the time zone and um, thought it was a little bit later, so Bill obviously wasn't able to join us, but uh, I think we've had a, a very interesting discussion, and got, I've got to learn a little bit more, even more than I have uh, in the past, uh, about how you approach uh, you know, your uh, model, if you will, and hopefully it's given some of the teachers that I know that tune into the show a little bit of pause as well to think about how they approach teaching their students. Um, Kate, if you want to take a moment, if you want to let the folks know if there's uh, you know, a website or something that uh, they can reach out to, to learn more about what you're doing, if maybe there's parents out there that would like to um, connect with you and, and you know, have their children involved in some of the programs that you offer or just anything that you want to promote or plug, um, now is the opportunity.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my website is www. Yeah, birdie-basics. B-I-R-D-I-E com, and that is the curriculum that I license to other golf professionals. We have over 85 facilities across the country using it. And so, if you are in a particular area and want to bring a Birdie Basics program to your golf course or your school or your local YMCA, then um, certainly I would love to get on a Zoom call and tell you about all the success that we've baked into this one turnkey program called birdie basics. Um, You can always email me Kate at birdie basics.com. And of course, Instagram, I have a pretty active, pretty active Instagram
3: account. Perfect. Well, Kate, thank you very much again for joining me. Yeah, not a problem. Thank you very much for joining me on, on coach's corner. I appreciate it as always. And uh, much continued success and, um, you know, as we navigate over the next several months and try to, you know, get this uh, pandemic behind us, uh, hopefully we'll be get back to some sort of a sense of normalcy in the next uh, little bit, hopefully for all of us. But um, stay safe and, and please keep doing all the great work that you're doing. I think it's fantastic, um, uh, your approach, and I think you're right on. I think we need to uh, keep things simple and, and keep them engaged and, and develop the individual as a human being and not so much... Uh, is worried about technique in, in golf and uh, that comes later on as they develop as a, as a, uh, an individual, but I appreciate you doing the great work that you're doing. Keep it up.
4: Thanks very much, Ted. Thanks for the opportunity. Take care.
3: No problem. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, Kate Tempesta uh, joining me on the coach's corner panel. Uh, regrettably, as I mentioned, uh, Bill Abrams was not able to uh, join us. He got a little mixed up with the, uh, uh, the time, uh, change, or not change, but uh, the the time uh, zone, if you will, and uh, sends his apologies once again. Um, All right, uh, before I bring on my very special guest this evening, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to introduce tonight's uh, special guest, and uh, we'll get into the second half of
1: Golf Talk Live. Take a listen.
2: The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine.
1: Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to golftipsmag.com and subscribe today. All right. Remember, go to golftipsmag.com
3: and subscribe today. Uh, uh, Both the print and digital version are available, so whichever you prefer, um, we've got an option for you. Um, All right. Once again, I want to thank uh, Kate for joining me this uh, earlier uh, on the Coach's Corner panel. Um, She did a great job and always uh, happy to have her on the show. And uh, she is um, really doing a lot to introduce this game to a very, very young demographic, as she mentioned, uh, ages three to eight. And certainly she's not getting into all of the details of uh, the golf swing at that age, uh, but in her own unique way has developed a very effective program. In fact, she's been very well recognized uh, in the golf industry um, for developing that early age Uh, future golfer out there, so we thank her for that. All right, my very special guests, I see you're ready, so I'm going to do a a quick introduction, and then I'm going to bring the two of them out. Uh, First up here, of course, is Bill Slapen. He is the founder of Bill's Botanicals, uh, who, uh, perhaps like you, has been active and gone hard on his body all his life. Uh, Eventually, he found himself a little too achy and sore to do uh, some of the things that he loved. Uh, But rather than giving up golf and exercise and some of the other simple chores that we uh, often uh, take for granted and and are part of our uh, true quality of life, he found himself spending endless time and money trying to feel better, as we all do. Uh, And while searching for a solution that uh, didn't have the side effect of uh, some of the medications and pills, uh, a friend of his recommended uh, some topical hemp extract, or also known as CBD, CBD. We're going to talk to about uh, his experiences there and uh, how he uh, started Bill's Botanicals uh, in a moment. Uh, also joining him is uh, nurse Susan Marks. Uh, she received uh, She's a uh, Californian. She received her Bachelor's of Science in Nursing from Mount St. Mary's College. Uh, she has clinical experience in adult medical, surgical, uh, pediatric oncology, uh, hematology, uh, also home care, case management, disease management, Quality Improvement, and Risk Management. Currently, she is a member of the American Cannabis Nurses Association. So please welcome my very special guests, Bill Slapen and Susan Marks. Good evening, guys, and welcome to Golf Talk Live.
5: Thank you. Good evening.
2: Hi, Ted.
3: I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Okay, so I thought what we would do to start things off, Bill, I'm going to start with you first uh, just to get a little bit of background uh, I've obviously uh, mentioned a little bit about how you sort of got to where you are now, um, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to expand on that. So like many of us growing up, you played a lot of sports and were very highly competitive, but as we all uh, experience, as we get a little bit older, uh, we tend to pay for it with a few aches and pains to say the least. Um, and at some point it got to a point with you um, That you decide you need to do something about it. So, walk us through a little bit. You played a lot of sports, had a lot of uh, other activities involved, and you tried a lot of different things, as many do, um, and just found it wasn't working for you. So, how did you get introduced um, to uh, the CBD
5: market? Uh, The introduction was kind of serendipitously, and I guess, like most people, or most people I know, I'll do anything to, to get better uh, in terms of injuries. I've mm-hmm. uh, been injured doing everything from uh, serious tennis for 50 years and singles only and ice skating and baseball and besides having a day job. Um, the athletics were not and are not my full-time profession. Um, I have been mm-hmm. in the media business for 35 years in print and online. And um, basically, I really wasn't looking for anything. I kind of gave up after two back surgeries, two knee surgeries, acupuncturist, you name it, back stretching. I was tired of it all, and it was taking my time and a lot of my money. So um, I kind of almost resigned myself to the fact that this was this was going to be it. And um, I was with a friend of mine who told me about. CBD stuff was about four years ago, and I really didn't know anything about it like most people. Uh, Ninety percent of the people don't know the difference between cannabis and CBD, and I don't blame them because it's so confusing. But um, he gave me a patch. I tried a patch, and to my surprise, it it worked. Uh, It it had some common ingredients in it, which we have in our patches, which is uh, lidocaine and uh, menthol with the addition of CBD and together they seem to work better. One doesn't replace the other. The CBD seems to come in slower. So I became not only intrigued about it, I started an industry publication about CBD. Uh, The primary benefit that I got out of it was lots of different contacts, lots of knowledge about the business, what basically worked and didn't, what sold and didn't. And, with that, wanted to focus on the largest market for this, which are people like me, over fifty-five. People mm-hmm. like you, over over fifty-five, mm-hmm. who who have discovered new parts of their body that they didn't know could hurt. So, uh, <laughs> in starting this public, in starting this publication, uh, like anybody, I had to be pretty knowledgeable about it as the publisher of it, and began to realize that if we're going to focus on this market and reach seniors, it also had to be safe. So we focus completely on topicals. We have patches, we have roll-ons and uh, Susan has, I know some different opinions on ingestibles, but I just don't want to take another pill. I don't know what's in it. Pills are safe. And all I know is when I play golf with my buddies, my second question is, is anybody hurt today? So, at least three out of the four people in the, in the, in the foursome hurt. So I always carry some built botanicals with me, patches or whatever. We uh, also are focusing on golfers, and, and the question is why golfers? Mm-hmm. The fact is we're a group that, uh, that's older, that has pain, and will do pretty much anything to get out of the pain. By focusing on yeah, seniors, and, and- we're also focusing on, lo- on the pain demographic. It's, it, it, it's, it's an overlay. The pain demographic is golfers and seniors. So we've, we've targeted golfers. We're specifically formulated for seniors so it's safe, and we're targeting golfers. We have tips on, on various ways to cure things like tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, uh, knees, et cetera, and, and these are written by clinicians, not by us. Also, right. in the marketplace, you know, one of the cautionary tales I have to people is there's a lot of CBD products on the market. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not a regulated market, and so my suggestion is buyer beware. All of our products are independently tested by a third-party laboratory, and we're very comfortable in saying, it's safe, and it works, and it does what it's supposed to do. We also are focused on trying to give, her, give the consumer the most bang for the buck. When you compare the amount of milligrams that we offer in our patches versus virtually anybody else, ours are about 20% of the cost uh, per milligram, and we just we pack a lot onto a, a very safe patch, and the same thing with our, our menthol product. My thought was that Susan can add a, a clinical side to it, and then perhaps we can discuss, debate the other other ways to use CBD. Does that make sense?
3: Yep, sounds good. Um, I, I want to,
5: um,
3: Susan, I, I want to come to you about something first, though, because there's a lot of myths. You know, Bill sort of leaned into it a little bit, but maybe you could shed some light because there is a lot of misunderstanding what really is CBD uh, and, and a lot of the products that derive from it and that maybe you can share a little bit and clear up some of the myths about it because there are a lot of people and, and we're going to talk about golfers and more and, and how it it's able to help them because we're seeing uh, a, definitely a vested interest within the golf community about the CBD products but maybe you could just share some of the myths or maybe misunderstandings about the product in general.
2: Sure. Uh, so... CBD is actually one of the molecules in the cannabis plant. So it's, it's classified as a cannabinoid. Same with THC and about 150 other uh, cannabinoids in the cannabis plant. The only psychoactive compound in cannabis is the THC. So all of the other mm-hmm. cannabinoids 149 of them have no effect on you know your cognition or it causes no impairment or anything like that including CBD and each of the cannabinoids have their own kind of superpower For example, CBD is the go-to for seizures for mild to moderate pain and inflammation. Uh, I use it myself because I have a neurological movement disorder, which is how I ended up getting into cannabis in the first place. I was never a cannabis user. But uh, the Western medicine approach to essential tremor is um, anti-seizure medications, which were, really Mm -hmm. um, horrible so I got desperate and and you know it's funny most people who are in the cannabis space or in the CBD space are there because they had a need and nothing else worked and this worked so whether it's pain inflammation uh, seizures insomnia you name it so anyway one of the biggest myths about using uh, CBD as medicine is that number one, it's going to make you high, uh, which it doesn't. Um, And that you, if it's from the marijuana plant or the cannabis plant, um, then you're going to have to smoke it, which you absolutely do not have to do. And um, that it's addictive. And Uh, that is very far from the truth as well. So uh, they have done many studies on cannabis and all the components in the cannabis plant, including CBD. And not only is it non-addictive, it's similar in the um, addictive profile as coffee. So if you can, Mm -hmm. if you're, way concerned about coffee than maybe you would be overly concerned about um, cannabis, but otherwise it's actually very safe. And they're using it to help people break their addictions to opioids and alcohol and cigarettes and all of those things, because Mm -hmm. the molecules, the CBD and the THC and the other cannabinoids, uh, they affect the part of the brain that is responsible for our drug-seeking behavior, and it actually dampens it down. So if you have an addiction to sugar, to to cigarettes, to all of those things, that it's a it's a driven kind of a, a force, then uh, CBD is excellent for that sort of thing. Now, related to golf. Um, when Bill was saying that we have different opinions in terms of topical versus um, ingestibles, the way I like to think about it and the way I explain it to my patients is that if you have an isolated injury, let's say you have one joint that just causes you problems, but otherwise you don't have pain or inflammation, then a topical is sufficient. It's absolutely fine. But if you have a systemic disease such as autoimmune disease or arthritis or, you know, any of those types of inflammatory, uh, issues, then you do want to take something systemic.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So, you know, one of the things that,
3: right. One of the things I want to mention and I want to point out again, um, and part of the reason for this conversation is, you know, there are a lot of golfers as, as Bill mentioned, you know, in that, um, you know, there's certainly some younger ones, but for the most part, probably 50, 55, and up is a, a big bulk of of our golfers, whether male or female. And there's really two two reasons. Um, um, golf is very unique that of, of a sport and game that we can play well into our our later years. But there are really two factors that prevent people from playing: it is either an inability to be able to improve or enjoy the game um, any longer for recreational reasons. Uh, And the other is, as Bill pointed out, for discomfort, pain and discomfort. Those are really the main reasons that people um, stop playing. And and so this is why I think CBD has become a a real interest to a lot of people in the golf industry. And I know as I've talked to to Bill privately before, you know, I was at uh, not this current one because of the, the pandemic. It was a virtual, but last season, Uh, at the PJ Merchandising Show, there was roughly 19 or 20 exhibitors in this category that were there, and I've been to previous ones and, you know, maybe saw one. So there's obviously becoming a vested interest in this market. Uh, And many of the other pain medications and things that we typically get prescribed on the market have a lot of side effects. Have there typically been uh, in this market that you can talk about, Susan, um, in the CBD market if somebody's using this product, are there, you know, some things that they they need to be uh, concerned about or cautious about that you can can let us uh, shed some light on?
2: Sure, absolutely. So um, they want to make sure that there are no drug interactions with the uh, prescription meds that they're taking. Um, If Mm. somebody is taking Coumadin, which is a blood thinner, um, you need right. to be very careful when you're taking CBD because it prolongs the effect, which means that it increases their risk for uh, bleeding. Um, there are also some beta blockers, which are uh, uh, high blood pressure medications. Um, and they also will potent- the CBD will also potentiate the effects of the uh, beta blockers. So, uh, mm-hmm. Aside from the, the Coumadin, which really needs much more focused uh, monitoring, any other mm-hmm. uh, pharmaceutical drugs, as long as you separate the administration by two hours between the two substances, you know, you take mm-hmm. CBD two hours after you take your pharm, uh, pharmaceutical drugs or vice versa, then you pretty much eliminate that risk because what basically happens is when the CBD gets metabolized in our body, the liver recognizes CBD as one of our own compounds because we actually produce molecules that are almost identical to CBD. So it favors CBD. So the pharmaceutical drugs will increase um, the concentration in your blood. So if you separate it by okay. two hours, it gives the liver the chance to first break down one and then break down the other. So, and, you know, Got just it. to make a comment on the, yeah, um,
0: yeah.
2: on the other pharma yeah, or yeah, on ma'am. the other drugs.
5: So just to make a comment on the, you know,
2: on the other drugs yeah. that um, people rely on for pain management and inflammation, the, the NSAIDs or the Aleve, the Motrin, the Tylenols, the aspirins. People are kind of lulled into this false sense of security that these are just mm-hmm. over-the-counter medications and there's right. really nothing to worry about, and it couldn't be further from the truth. So I, uh, and CBD has a much better safety profile uh, than any of those uh, over-the-counter drugs. So I highly Mm -hmm. encourage anybody, especially if you are a senior, you know, most of my clients are seniors because they have pain, they have inflammation, they can't Mm -hmm. sleep, they're a little bit depressed. And they're on, you know, at least five different pharmaceutical drugs to manage all of that. Well, right. CBD pretty much takes care of all of that. So, a lot of mm-hmm. my clients are able to get off of their prescription drugs, improve their health, eliminate risk, and uh, it's really, it's a, in my opinion, it's a godsend.
5: So,
3: right. Let yeah, me I ask agree. you one final I, question, uh, and Bill. I'm going to come. Yeah. Sorry, go sure. ahead, Bill.
5: No, I no, I I'd agree. I mean I the uh the addiction issue I'll tell you candidly. I my second back surgery, I was on uh, uh Vicodin for about a year and a half and I was addicted and C B D helped me get it off, off of it, but it was uh, a horrendous come down and uh you just go near don't go near it again, that's all.
3: Yeah. And um I wanna ask you, uh Susan, just one other question here and then Bill, I'm gonna come back to you about some things as well. <laughs> Um, so how, how does Susan, how does the hemp extract actually work in the body? Explain how it actually works, whether it's topical, if you want to use a couple of examples, that's fine, but just explain to people how it actually works.
2: Sure. So, um, we have what's called the endocannabinoid system. So this is a system in our body that's similar to our nervous system, our GI system, our, Um, you know our immune system so this is called the endocannabinoid system and the function of that system is to maintain homeostasis so if anything in your body is out of balance normally your endocannabinoid system kicks in and does whatever it needs to do to bring things back into balance now unfortunately because we are all exposed to so many toxins and stressors and, you know, non-nutritious food and polluted water. All of these things make it very difficult for our natural endocannabinoid system to produce enough of these cannabinoids, the endocannabinoids, in order to to keep the body in balance. And whenever... You have an imbalance, that's the definition of a disease. So um, when you take in CBD or any of the compounds in the cannabis plant, any cannabinoids, there are actually cannabinoids in chocolate too, so I give the big thumbs up Mm -hmm. for chocolate. But anyway, anytime you (laughs) supplement your body with, uh, with cannabinoids, whether they're phytocannabinoids, which come from plants, You're basically giving your body the raw material it needs to heal itself on a very um, holistic, centered uh, approach. The body knows how to heal itself. It just needs to be given the compounds that it needs to do that. So that's where cannabis comes in, and that's why... A lot of people say, oh, cannabis, is, it's just snake oil. There's no way that one compound or, or one plant could have such a huge effect on so many different diseases from cancer to epilepsy to, you know, lupus. There's no way. Well, that's, that's the key as to why cannabis does work for all of those things. It's because it's just giving the body the raw materials for the endocannabinoid system to work holistically and bring whatever is out of balance back into balance.
3: Well said. Um, Bill, I want to come back to you, um, you know, as somebody who, you know, because I, I can guarantee you there's a lot of golfers listening tonight that maybe um, are either have experienced or are experiencing some of the same things that you had uh, in the past before you started using the CBD products. And you mentioned that you, your preference, obviously, is you like the topicals um, as opposed to uh, ingesting anything. Uh, so when you first were introduced to this and began, uh, you know, for lack of better words, experimenting with, with some of the, the topicals, typically after uh, taking or using the products, um, did you start to see results? How quickly did you start to, to notice some results?
5: I, as soon as, the, for example, as the moment I put the patch on, uh, I was 50% improved. I mean, it was just, uh, and granted, it's a topical, but it, it worked. And, you know, one of the things that's different about golf from other sports, I have to call it a sport, but we'll call it a game, uh, is that, you know, I, I was a tennis player my whole life. I, I played tennis singles on hard courts. Tennis, golf is harder on your body, my body. And the reason is another sport is usually consistently moving. In, in, in golf, you stop for two minutes and you, you take this tremendous torque on your back and your body, and then you sit down again. Right. Okay. So that quasi sedentary sport causes a lot more shock and, and torque to your system. And as you get older, of course, yeah. it's, it's compounded and worse. People wonder why, gee, all these twenty seven year old golfers are so flexible. It's not necessarily that they're so flexible that they just don't have the battle scars. So, uh yeah. to get even, besides do all the normal things of not hitting the ball as far and working on your short game, the realization is this is a very, very very hard sport on your on your particularly on your spine. Mm-hmm. So take taking care yeah, of it you're... is uh yeah. Yeah, your lower back
3: and your your spine exactly, and and obviously as we've um, you know even pre uh, his accident, you know Tiger has suffered a lot uh, with various different injuries his back, his knees, his you know um, hip flexors the whole bit, his shoulder now as well, um, and that's even prior to to the accident he had a, a couple of weeks ago. So you know he right. he's obviously somebody who um, you know through his game has sustained many many injuries. Uh, just because of the the torque, as you suggest in that. So, how often? My next question to follow up with you, Bill, is how often do you take it or use this patch? Is this something you're using every day? Uh, is it only when you're engaging in certain activities that you rely on it, or is this something that's sort of come into a daily routine? Because I'm again, I'm sure that a lot I of use, folks are, are probably yeah. wondering.
5: Yeah, I use the patches a couple, probably a couple times a week. I probably use one a couple times a week. Um, I use something else on my back called a Cerola belt, if nobody's ever heard of it for your back, Dr. Cerola, S-E-R-O-L-A. Um, I use that all the time and don't market it, but that's a great thing to do. I supplement that with the um, patches. But whenever I'm, I'm done, even walking my dogs for an hour or playing golf, I put the, the roll-on on. I put the freeze roll on. And usually for golf, it's my elbow and my back, and et cetera. So I do that every day, and, and it, it works better for me than ice, and lasts longer. It just gives you it gives you the relief you need with, a, with the compounded ingredients um, in it. And I'm not, uh, I believe Susan that CBD alone does not work as well. That's been our experience. You?
2: Yeah. Anytime you. Um just take one molecule out of a plant that consists of hundreds and expect it to work the same it it just doesn't measure up so you always want to find either a broad spectrum hemp oil or a full spectrum hemp oil and not a cbd isolate yeah
3: yeah so if you're using using an oil then Yeah, what I wanted to ask Susan is just to follow up on that. So if you're using a CBD oil uh, to help out with joint pain as an example, how long does it typically take and how is that administered? How how do you administer that?
2: So if you take it by mouth uh, using a tincture, you're going to want to put it under your tongue and leave it there for about 30 to 60 seconds because you have a lot of... um, Blood vessels underneath your tongue, so you're going to get some immediate absorption. But once you swallow it, depending on a person's metabolism, it can take up to about an hour before they feel the effects. So there, every every different way that you can um, take CBD or cannabis, whether it's taking it by mouth, using it topically. The inhalation method, the suppository method, they all have different um, times for the onset of the action. So the fastest Mm. way to to feel relief with any cannabis or CBD product is through the inhalation method, but it only lasts for Mm. an hour or two. If you take it by mouth, it takes a little longer to kick in, but it will last for six to eight hours. If you use the suppository, okay. which we use frequently with uh, cancer patients, uh, they'll get released right. in about 15 to 20 minutes, and that will last up to 12 hours. So it depends on what your issue is uh, that will determine the best method to uh, ingest the cannabis or the CBD.
5: Now there's a, there's a again going back to Ted's one of Ted's original questions was the confusion when we say cannabis cannabinoids CBD THC uh, that's a lot for for people who remember that don't know what it is we probably half of our website is frequently asked questions about it will it get me high etc the um, the fact is if there's a, you know a reasonable amount of THC in it, you're going to get high. And where the confusion is, cannabis dispensaries sell CBD with THC in it. They are not allowed, for example, Mm in the state of California to sell plain CBD or hemp extract, even though you can buy some of it in the drugstore. So Mm -hmm. when a person goes into the dispensary, they can get CBD 1 to 1, 2 to 1, 18 to 1, but it still has. An amount of THC, which is less than zero zero point three percent, of the minuscule amount, it still has the the stuff will get you high. Whereas you go into a, a drugstore and all they can sell is
1: they'll
5: sell hemp oil, which is a little different, but hemp extract is is the real CBD product. So Susan, how do you um, explain that? We do the best as I can on, we can on our website, but. As a consumer, these are confusing terms.
2: Yeah, they are very confusing. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I like about your products, Bill, is that they are third-party tested. There's a lot of, quote-unquote, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see that, but there are a lot of, (laughs) quote-unquote, CBD products out there that have been, you know, independently lab tested, and they contained either no CBD or a lot less than what they claim on their label, plus they had all kinds of contaminants, whether it's pesticides or heavy metals or molds and bacteria. So when somebody um, takes the, the care to have their product lab tested like Bill does, then you know not only that it doesn't have any of those contaminants, but you actually know the potency of it so that you can dose it appropriately. So I tell right. everybody, if, if there's no third-party lab tests on any of the CBD products that you want to buy, just don't buy them because reputable companies do do the third-party testing and they will make sure everybody knows about it because it really is like a badge of honor. It's saying we're the real deal right. here. So yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah an example:
5: is, it, Yeah, we, it, we publish we publish all the results on our website. It says how it's been tested, heavy metals, no pesticides, et cetera. So the lab results have to be there. Somebody can claim the lab results,
3: right? And that's the extremely FDA important, happens, especially any time. Really Right. Anytime you're, you're you're talking about, you know, something new uh, or newer, I know CBD has been around for, for a while now, but, you know, when, when people are still unclear or unsettled with the information, um, you know, that just obviously adds to, to the apprehension. And so you're exactly right, um, both of you, is, is the fact that you are having it independently tested um, does add a lot of you know credibility to the products because it you know you're looking for you know the contaminants you're looking for things like to make sure that it's not containing something that is going to be harmful and you know the truth is with many of the even the over counter medications and things you know some of the side effects have been very um unkind to say the least and they've been of course you know uh tested as well but um you know so I think it's important, and, and it really, what I what I want golfers to understand, because so many of them, as I said, there're really a couple of reasons why people, you know, drift away from the game. It's either they're struggling with their ability to to either improve in the game, uh, or they're suffering from um, you know uh, um, pain issues or discomfort issues as a result of pain, and it's caused them you know, not to want to go out in the golf course and, you know, spend, you know, two, three, four hours, whatever the case may be um, in discomfort. So it's, it's not worth them, you know, getting up out of the chair to go and play if they're having that discomfort. So, you know, people are always looking for, for ways to, to help their situation. And, you know, you've been down that road bill and have experienced that for many years of, of having that discomfort, having operations, so you're in that boat, shall we say. So it's a good testament, uh, you know, that you've gone out and done the homework, done the research, and really sort of done that deep dive, if you will, and having it tested, uh, and you're able to, you know, be living proof that it does work. Um, you know, you got into the business as a result of, of your own findings. Uh, so tell us a little bit more yeah. about Bill's Botanicals, uh, if you wouldn't mind. Just share a little bit more uh, about how that came about, and some of the other things that uh, uh, that you're doing with it.
5: Okay, um, the the sum and substance is, is that uh, as I mentioned a while ago, um, a, a fellow person in pain, golfer, told me about CBD, gave me the patch, etc. You know, and one of the things about golf that, that golfers probably don't even remember, golf is a, is a game of millimeters, okay. You can hit a sloppy baseball shot. You can do a sloppy, you can do a slap shot in in, in hockey with your other hand. Uh, you, you know, you can use a wrong tennis grip. You can't do any of those things in golf. And when you're hurt, it's going to affect that. It, it, unless everything's in balance, I find uh, you mm-hmm. just don't play golf well. Oh, your your back hurts. Your leg hurts. You're going to favor that, and you're not in sync. So. Uh, and again, that's why you know we settled on golf because it's the fact is I, at least in my life I think it's the last game I'll ever play. So I want to make sure I can right. be active and have the camaraderie. One of the things that uh, you know Susan mentioned a while ago is that some seniors get depressed, and the reason they get depressed is because they don't have any camaraderie, right? Mm-hmm. And, and golf is one of those things that you can do together. The, and the whole gestation of, of what we're doing with Bill's Botanicals, for example, we have one offer where, you know, you buy, you buy a couple products from us and you get some pre-striks on golf balls, the two stars that I use. So we're trying, to, we're trying to closely identify with golfers the personality of golf and the personality of a golfer, but not a celebrity. Just this, Bill's Botanicals is just about a regular person who's had his share of, of spills and injuries, And found a way to get out of pain, and the end result is looking continually looking for products that we're going to add to the mix. And again, they're going to be topicals because that's just my singular belief about topicals. Uh, When when the FDA says ingestibles are fine, then we might be closer. But the the FDA is is, they're pretty good about uh, topicals. They're fine with topicals. And I believe too. Uh, you know, most people haven't heard much about the FDA involvement, but they've dragged their feet on it. Uh, and Congress has said, "Do something about it." This is a multi-billion-dollar industry that's going to help people. So, mm-hmm.
0: uh,
5: yeah. Um, and again, yeah, there's you know, a yeah, you know, yeah. It you know yeah, there, there's a lot of theories.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of, yep. yeah, a lot of theories about that. Why why that's happening and. We won't we won't go down that that uh, that road. But uh, no, I know exactly what you're talking about, um, Susan. I want to ask you something here um, uh, about, let's say, the golfers out there that maybe have not been introduced to CBD yet or any of the the products that that go with it. Um, what's the first step? Walk us through for somebody that's listening tonight to the program and saying, you know what, that that might be something for me, but you know, I'm I'm not sure how to, to go about it. You know, do I just buy something and, you know, go ahead? Or is there a process? What would you recommend as, as a healthcare professional, um, the best approach for somebody that's never uh, maybe tried the products before or what should be their first step?
2: Okay. So um, everybody has different products available to them in their area. So the first thing to do is to figure out what, you have access to and find the products that are lab tested. Now, you need to have a little bit of patience when you're starting uh, to use cannabis or CBD for the first time. Um, You need to give your body a chance to get used to it and to find the best dose for you because everybody is different. So what I tell people is to start with a very low dose and slowly increase it over time, say every four days or so. You can increase it if you're not getting the relief that you're looking for. And then you need to be patient. You need to try different things. And most of all, especially with the topicals, is to be consistent. So what happens is if your body is kind of used to being at a, an elevated level of inflammation, if you are mm-hmm. giving it CBD on a consistent basis, whether it's every two hours or every three hours, that's going to bring the inflammation down and kind of reset it so it's at a lower level rather than doing this roller coaster ride of, you know, the inflammation going up with pain and then you put on stuff that comes down. Um, So I tell people at least initially to use it every two hours for maybe the first week or so, and then then you can use it as needed. Um, If you're going to be using the, um, the ingestion, using it by mouth, then again, you want to start low and slowly increase it. Um, you'll want to make sure that there are no drug interactions. Uh, and I tell this to, to all of my patients. There's a, uh, an app called Medscape, and it's uh, – healthcare people use it. It's also open to the public. And basically, you can put all of your medications in there, and it will tell you if there are going to be any interactions. So you can just add marijuana. And it will tell you if mm-hmm. that is going to interact with anything that you're taking. And then again, remember, you just separate your administration of those two um, compounds by two hours and, and you should be fine. So um, so that's, that's pretty much what I would say. You just keep increasing the dose until you find what works for you. And uh, don't be afraid to, try more than one lab-tested product because you may find that with the different formulations, you'll get a better response with one brand versus another. They're not all the same.
5: Right. That's true. Now, should you – Most of the the companies, for example, will have some form of money-back guarantee, you know, as long as you don't abuse it Mm -hmm. Um, because it's a form of experimentation and online is about the – is a primary way that CBD is sold today. The, um, now I, I, Susan, I just want to point a clarification. With uh, Bill's Botanicals and, and most products billed as CBD products, there's no need to increase the dosage because there's no THC in it, right?
2: Well, if you're taking it by mouth, uh, you do need to increase the dose. Uh, if you 're using it as a topical it 's more a matter of uh, the frequency of use because it's yes. the, yeah. the dosage is the dosage mm-hmm. yeah right yeah
3: okay yeah and, and, let me ask yeah. let Go me ahead. ask you sus Susan let me ask you real quick, um, just going back to what you were talking about a minute ago um, you know for somebody again that 's new that maybe isn 't sure how much should I take and so on and so forth um, is there you know, a, a professional like yourself um, that people could reach out to and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm having these issues and I'd like to try this, and but I'm unclear on, on exact... I mean, I know, I'm sure most of the products or all the uh, the products are going to have um, something on the label, but, um, you know, going to your general practitioner as an, an example or your, or your regular doctor, they may not subscribe to, to something like this and, and are not going to necessarily advise you. But are there... Um, professionals in the healthcare, such as yourself, that are, you know, that you're able to uh, or should you consult with uh, before beginning any sort of, um, you know, uh, uh, experimentation, if you will, with CBD?
2: Well, yeah, I, I think um, whenever I work with patients, I make sure that their physician knows that they're uh, taking this course of action. In fact, I get a lot of my clients from physicians because they just don't They just don't know enough about it to be able to advise their patients. So your physician should know everything you're doing just so that he can give or she can give you the the appropriate care. So, yes, let your physician know. Uh, If you're looking to work with somebody in your area, you can go to the American Cannabis Nurses Association uh, it's online and they have a directory and you can find a cannabis nurse close by. Um, I also do uh, telemedicine. So I have uh, clients all over okay. the country and uh, I can advise them. Uh, so, you know, you can reach me either through my website at uh, dear nurse, or, um, uh, I can give you my email address. I don't know exactly how it works with your podcast, but um, mm-hmm. yeah i'm I'm happy to to uh, get on the phone with somebody.
3: Okay, perfect. Um, and let me just ask you one other uh, question, Susan, while I've got you, and then bill, I'm going to come back and and let you uh, uh, wrap up as well.. Um, you know you you talked about the the various dosages and things like that and i just want to be clear so that we make sure that we're you know uh, obviously we can't give all of the information out to to everybody they've got to uh certainly do their own due diligence but um is it possible that to take too much cbd is there um you know a precautionary thing that you can take too much um of the product
2: well mm. It's more of a waste of money because more isn't necessarily better. There is a, it's called biphasic dosing, which means that the more you take, you'll feel better and better until you hit a tipping point. And once you hit that tipping point, if you continue to take more, then you aren't going to feel as good as you did before. So that's one indication that I tell people in terms of finding their own dose. That's an indication right there. So, If you're going to start with CBD, uh, I would recommend uh, starting at about 25 milligrams by mouth um, and then, again, slowly increasing it over time. Um, There really is, you know, there's not going to be any major physiological problem with you taking more than Mm -hmm. you need, but it is a waste of money. Um, so for okay. me for example i take about 250 milligrams of cbd a day but i need that so that i'm not shaking all the time most people sure. don't need that much but everybody has to find their own
3: right and you have a specific yeah, condition I, I, that's I, yeah. you know again di- different yeah you have a yeah you have susan a, a different uh situation there as opposed to you know a, an avid golfer that may just have a sore knee or elbow or something or even a discomfort in their back as, as Bill's talked about. So, you know, obviously your dosage is going to be much different than maybe the average uh, person might, uh, uh, you know, that is dealing with, with a, a different uh, circumstance. Um, Bill, so any final thoughts on that? And then I want to give you an opportunity to share um, how people can reach out and, and uh, visit your website and, and uh, maybe sample uh, some of the things that uh, that we're talking about here tonight.
5: Oh sure, yeah. The website is Plural dot net. It's dot net. Make sure you do dot net, or if you do dot com, you're going to get a um, person that sells uh, artificial parrots in Florida. I don't think we want that. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> yeah, no, no. Um, yeah. And um, you know, again, again here, um, it, the questions go back to uh, if I you said. If I take too much, what will happen? Susan's right. You'll just waste it. You're not going to get sick. You're not going to get stoned. You're not going to get any of those things. So uh, that that should alleviate it. And and going back to the simple fact is that uh, the only um, cannabinoid that gets you high is THC. And there's 120 right. or 150, whatever they are, CBG, CBN, CBS, CBX. They're all going to be coming out with new, with additional products and do different kinds of things, and together they work differently. Um, we're more focused again, you know. On yes, it's, we're medical. We're both botanical, but we're about enjoyment. That people should go back to enjoying mm-hmm. their life with, with with minor aches and pains. We, we we can't pretend we're not going to fix. We're not going to fix a, a uh, somebody with a, a, a broken shoulder. That's pretty clear. But this is for everyday sure. aches and pains that people are going to get. For example, we have a subscription model uh, based on how much you use. And typically, people will probably use two packs of patches a month. There's six patches in each one, and or three in each one. And they'll go through probably one of the uh, roll-ons every six weeks. So you can you know you can chronicle when you need it and get it when you need it, and know what works when you need it. The, again, one of the benefits is because this is all online and that's the retail store, the vendors have to bear the brunt of, gee, if it didn't work or it bothered me, um, there has to be some recompense for the consumer.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think that, as I said in the beginning, I think for uh, particularly, you know, for golfers, which, you know, we're talking about here tonight, obviously, this is these are products that anybody could uh, could really uh, uh, use but um, particularly for the golf industry where there are a lot of you know folks over time develop injuries through other means maybe uh, but golf exacerbates uh, you know those injuries uh, or you know amplifies them you know people are tired of a lot of their traditional medications because many of them either mask other issues and don't really get to the root. Uh, cause of it, uh, and or have side effects that are really um, not good. And uh, people are very reluctant uh, to, to take that for uh, as a pain management. So, uh, you know, this is certainly something that has, you know, been shown, uh, a light has been shone, as I said, in the golf industry, people are starting to take notice more and more of these uh, companies are starting to recognize that the golf industry is an industry that would highly benefit uh, from that. So, uh, I think uh you know what you 're doing bill is is great, and uh you're a testament to the product because you've you've been down that that road yourself uh for a number of years and have found something that uh has proven to to work for you and uh, I think any of the golfers that are tuning in tonight should certainly uh investigate bill's botanicals um and uh susan i 'm going to let you uh give your website uh, another time for those that maybe want to reach out to you that may have uh some questions that you alone can answer a little bit better Um, if you want to give your website out and then they can, uh, you know, contact you from there. And then Bill, I'll let you do the same as we, as we wrap up.
2: Okay. Thank you, Ted. Um, My website is Com. So for those of you who remember Dear Abby, who answered all your questions, that's why I named my website Dear Nurse Susan, (laughs) because I got lots of questions. And I really appreciate this opportunity to, you know, try to allay people's fears about uh, this. As and I really appreciate mm-hmm. your time and and inviting me to your show. So thank you, Ted. Thank you, Bill.
5: Thank you very much. Not Ted. a problem. I thank appreciate you. it. Very,
3: yeah, I, I appreciate it. And, and Bill, your website again for those that um, maybe want to go and check sure. it out and and uh, yep. and and see some of the products and maybe get a little bit more information. Uh, in more detail, they can go there. Uh, so the website again?
5: It's billsbotanicals.net. Um, and the primary purpose obviously is obviously to offer products. But people will come away, we, we hope, the kind of knowledge that says or suggests this might be the most product, the best product for you. But really a lot of background that Susan alluded to, how it works in the body, different parts, et cetera, um, that we believe will be helpful as well.
3: Perfect. Well, guys, thank you very much for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure, and it certainly has been uh, informative for me, and I hope that the audience is uh, taken away from it as well. And if you've if you've got, uh, you know, some questions or if you uh, want to investigate things a little bit further about the products that we've talked about here tonight, uh, you can investigate them at billsbotanicals.net. Guys, thank you very much for joining me on Golf Talk Live. It's been a pleasure, and um, thank you for sharing uh, you your insight into uh, CBD products. Great. Be Thanks. You,
5: Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. Okay. Thanks. Thank you very
3: much. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. That was Bill Slapin, founder of BillsBotanicals.net, and Nurse Susan uh, Marks, um, who is also a member of the American Cannabis Nurses Association, and she hopefully shed some light on some of the questions that, that you may have, and you can certainly reach out to her website as well, Uh, and contact her through there. Um, I want to take this opportunity again to thank all of my special guests, and uh, it's good to have the Coach's Corner panel back uh, and beginning that uh, to a full broadcast uh, each and every week. Next week we'll have another uh, great panel discussion on Coach's Corner uh, followed by another uh, insightful guest uh, interview, so I hope you'll tune in. God bless everybody. Have a great week, and I will see you next time here on Golf Talk Live.
1: Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's coaches' Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.